Three, two, one, go! That's a good way to start the show anyway. Hello and welcome to Between Two Cairns. I'm Yochai. Hi, I'm Brad. And today we're going to be reviewing The Beast of Borgenwald. But first, we have some mailbag questions to answer. Whoa! Is it Christmas? Uh, <laughs> nope, it's not Christmas. Not is it? Not in the. It's not Christmas. By the time people uh, hear this, it will still not be Christmas. It's ooh. for me. Did you know? For me, it's never Christmas. Think about that. I, I mean, it is. You just choose <laughs> to watch it pass you by. Yeah, Chinese food. So anyhow, um, the first question is from uh, Jeremy A from the Karen Discord also known as Captain Kudzu. What are some folktales that you'd like to see as adventures, but maybe not sure how to implement? For me, I like the idea of Rumpelstiltskin as an antagonist, but not sure how it fits into a good adventure, if that makes sense. Sure. You like folktales, right? Is that... Do you know that about me? Yeah, I know you're kind of a... You're you're folksy. I would call you... I would describe you as as, um, folksy. That, you, that I don't think folksy and folktales are in any way the same thing. Um, I think they're very similar. It's not okay. So let's first just, just like define what is a folktale. Do you know how would you just define a folktale? Oh, I I don't know. I know it when I see it. You know, that's like uh, like pornography, right? I mean, that has been said. Okay, it's. Uh, Folk tales are not like pornography, but yes, I know. Yo, you're, look, you're the folksy guy, yeah, so again, I don't know why you're putting this on me. You, means. you tell me well, what makes because, something folksy because that's, or not that, folksy. Well, I, yeah, I'm trying to make a point here. So, what you identify as a folk tale is a folk tale because you are a folk. So, the traditional definition of a folk tale is what, you, what, what did you say about me? Uh, you're a you're the I'm, you're the folksy one. But <laughs> let's talk about this offline. I, <laughs> let's just try to get through the show yeah, okay. okay so the <sighs> traditional definition of a folktale is any story that originates in um a specific region or culture or, or country that has a um a sort of permanence to it it's told usually uh-huh. word by word of mouth it, it you know it's it descends through uh families and and holidays it's yeah i, I guess the 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 most Clip definition is any kind of popular story that is passed via word of mouth, but I don't think that's actually really getting to the so heart like of Batman. it. Batman, no, because Batman is published and official, and there's people who own the rights to it. That's not. It's not Batman. Not everything is Batman. Uh, right. But a folktale, you know, like Rumpelstiltskin for Rumpelstiltskin, for example, that was collected, um, you know, by ethnographers, by the Brothers Grimm or whomever, and they went around different towns in Germany and Europe, and people told them stories, and then they found variants to those stories, and they picked one variant, and maybe they mixed it with another one, and, you know, bada bing, bada boom, they get this uh, modern Rumpelstiltskin story we hear today. Now, a lot of folktales have changed even since the quote-unquote official or popular version was published by... um, ethnographers so for example cinderella has dozens of different stories ranging from uh you know greece uh, to like diaspora communities of jews to uh you know italy and 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 later france and england there's different versions of it there's there's a jewish cinderella story that i read once that's from the like 14th century so a lot of times you'll see the same motifs show up for in, in different stories so you might have like a story about a girl whose parents have died and now she has a wicked stepmother. And you'll see that in like five different seemingly different stories that are really telling the same moral tale. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what, where the permanence comes from is that these stories have just enough um, relevance to humans in general that they, they kind of outlive their own um, original trajectory. So putting that, Silly explanation aside, to me, yes. a folktale is a sort of universal empathy machine. You know, it's a Ooh, it's like a that. it's a way of generating understanding between people and time. 
So like I can read a story, for example, from the 11th century and find thematic elements that somehow reach out and still, you know, change me and make me feel connected to the people whom that story originated. Or, you know, uh, I might even take that and write my own version of it because that's what folktales yeah. are. They're, 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 they're passed on as a sort of, you know, eternal and permanent act. And I'm, again, I'm getting lofty about uh-huh. it, but that that's my sort of romantic association with folktales. And I love folktales. I find them endlessly entertaining and I continually find, you know, kind of universal truths inside of them because they, they are stories that people tell across cultures and across time. And there's a reason they, they stick around now getting this, you know, back to the original question. Um, yeah, I want to, by the way, still not really seeing how this isn't Batman, but go on. Go ahead. <laughs> I couldn't write my own Batman. Okay. I could get sued. I feel like the only, that's the only difference, right? It's copyright laws, right? If we didn't have that, Batman's a folktale. Uh, no, because Batman wasn't like a tale told through time. It was, although it was actually based on a, um, a, my- a mythic figure in uh, England and France, I think. Anyways, uh, Batman has, you know, a, a story. We know who wrote it, where they got the ideas for it. It's the same with Superman. It was like, you know, t- two Jews who wanted to fight Nazis or something, which there is a Superman where he fights Nazis. So I think, I think super superheroes are a version of this kind of mythic storytelling, but they're, they're, they're not really folktales. Folktales aren't owned by anybody and by their very nature, they are transportable and, and free. And, and I think as we apply them to role-playing games, we can find a lot of really interesting, like thematic elements that touch on very flat surface level emotional states like fear and mm-hmm. um, the unknown. Sure, sure. Folktales have a lot of that. A lot of, a lot of folktales are about, um, you know, togetherness during oppression and, um, uh, you know, unknowable evils, you know, pocketing children from their bed, from their bedrooms, you know, the folktales are, are simple in their nature. And I think if you think, if you overthink them, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot because they're not meant to be complicated. So if I was doing Rumpelstiltskin, mm-hmm. I, I, I think I just wouldn't overthink it. I would probably say, well, you know, the original question was the idea of Rumpelstiltskin as the antagonist. I wouldn't even go so far as making Rumpelstiltskin an antagonist. I would maybe make them an NPC that you could interact with, sort of like a Bogart or something that you could interact with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, their ability to give you a quest or um, sure. give you gold for what you know pre- performing certain tasks maybe they need you to kidnap a princess <laughs> and bring yep. it back to um their lair where they can make the princess spin golden thread or something i, I feel like just don't overthink it um you know mm-hmm. they th- treat them as their most basic selves I, again i think this is i'm totally like navel gazing here but folk tales are not complicated well, you're a folksy guy you yeah, know see, i don't I, exactly. no one can blame you here. exactly it's not what that you know? it's not what that mer- what that means well anyway so which you know which which folktale uh do you think is is ripe for adaptation to a module what's your call here what's your what's your answer well i have my own preferences and i wrote an entire module that is uh-huh. all based on folktales like literally there's a side quest in it the side quests are referred to as the yiddish word for folktales but there is oh, sure, there sure. is there is a side quest where a person has to search for a where this this person's um parrot parrot died, their bird died, and oh yeah, and the that, yes. player characters have to figure out why, and it's totally rooted in a folktale. Um, so I I kind of already got got to do that, but there are some others that yeah. I haven't yet. Um, gosh, there's this one really cool one. I have this um, folk tales of the Jews. I have these three volume set, and one is uh tales tales from the Arab lands, and there's this amazing story towards the end of it where this guy is a jeweler and he uh, works for a long time to make a uh, like wedding jewelry for his wife. And then he returns home and um, through a series of bad events on his journey, people think he's dead and his wife then remarries and he doesn't want to show up after she's remarried 
and say, hey, I'm actually alive because then by being married and while your husband was still alive without getting a divorce, you've now created this awful sin. So he didn't want to put sure. that on her. So instead, he decides never. We've all been there, right, we've fellas? We've all been there. So he, instead of doing that, he decides to kill himself. And he uh-huh. does so by walking forever. And he ends up walking accidentally into <laughs> what is essentially the, the the world beyond, like the next, like in, in in Judaism, there isn't really a heaven, but it's like he goes into this other plane of existence, but he doesn't know it. Yeah. And he encounters all these different figures on the way who are so cool. Like they're, they're defined in such a cool way that I don't really want to make a... Uh, I wouldn't want to make a module out of this specific story, but just out of the characters yeah. he meets and the the land, because it describes the animals rich. and the plants that he comes across. And it's an old story. Like this is an old story. And, and sure. And, if, you know, by the way, at the very end, he, um, he does learn that he has moved into the world beyond and that he actually died in this cave. And Elijah, the prophet, you know, saw his situation and, decided to give him a new life and he becomes like a teacher it, it the whole thing is like super like sci-fi out there and it's like from the i don't know it's like 14th or 15th century it's a really cool story but the, yeah. the point is the land i kept like imagining what the landscape looked like as he did like walks through it so anyway so so that's a kind of a it's not it's a kind of a cop-out answer because i'm not like thinking of a specific cool scenario there are some cool ones but mo- right. mo- honestly most of the folktales i know are like they're either humorous or they're about wizards uh-huh. battling each other. There's a lot of stories of the Baal Shem Tov, who's this um, the founder of um, the modern like or Orthodox movement. The, the you know the, yeah. the guys with the hats and the things. The, 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 you know he there's a there's a lot of stories about him fighting other wizards, like sure. you know teleporting by stepping off of a ledge and appearing in another country. Or like um, there's one where like he fights this guy in this um, town square and the guy keeps sending projectile animals at him like the animals are like holographic <laughs> and they're running at him but okay. then he keeps like like you know using the 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 um what's he called the the undescribed the undecipherable name the the name of god yeah. he like says god's name and it makes the animals go away and then eventually he like you know sucks the guy's soul out is there's all these like crazy wizard battles so i might like sure. base some antagonists off of these these guys but yeah in general um folk tales are rich deposit reposit depository or repository yeah they're suppository no it's repository it's the wrong kind of (laughs) anyways yeah so um jokes jokes i love folktales uh i'd love to see more of them i love the mary mushman uh folktale best year best best oh yeah i just got that that's it's very good it's very good good. a lot of good bosque stuff in there bosque and french stuff in there yeah, there is. I I think that's a really wonderful book. I like. I appreciate like the dream logic of a good fairy tale. I like, you know, I'm thinking of like Jack and the Beanstalk. It's like we totally take for granted. There's just like castles in the clouds. You know what I mean? That's just not even. It's not like there's no why there. It just there is. You just go there and explore that and explore that. Um, and I think like that kind of thing sometimes lacking a little bit in like D and D modules. They're kind of I feel like a lot of. RPG modules are like weirdly rooted in reality, even though they're inherently fantastic. You know, it's like, oh, there's a tomb and there's zombies in the tomb. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's that that all that all checks well, out. Here's sure, an, the, the, the dead is Let one. me ask you but, a question. You know, we don't we don't get a step farther. Make it a little more fantastic. So, so I think that's fine. Let me ask you a question. What is yeah. the difference between a folktale and a fairy tale? I don't know. I thought they the same thing. They're not. Right? No, they're not. They're not the same. We're back to alligators yeah, so and crocodiles. You, same animal. No, if, folktales, so fairy tales. If you tales, open same thing. a book of folktales, there there will oh, often be a section called no, fairy tales. Um, no, I'll tell you what the difference is. No. So Fine, fairy tell me. fairy tales often have magic and spells and you know queens and kings and princesses and you know like Rumpelstiltskin is a fairy tale. But there's a uh-huh. there's a Jewish folk tale about a guy who travels. Um, he decides to go to America, and as he's uh-huh. traveling through uh, Lithuania and then all the way to the uh, UK, he lands in Scotland. He gets there thinking, "Oh my, you know, my luck has finally changed. I'm 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 almost in America. I'm making my way, and I'm going to leave my bad luck behind." And he he gets to this like house that he sees has a 
a menorah in the window, which tells him, oh, I can sleep here safely. I'm going to sleep here. And then tomorrow I'll take a boat to America. He gets into the house. The woman opens the door and she goes, hi, we've been waiting for you. And he's like, what are you talking about? And she goes, follow me. And she takes him to this, you know, apartment, like way up uh, many floors above the one he came in. And the whole time he's like, what is going on here? And finally she gets to a door and she opens it. And there's this tall weird bearded guy standing there and he goes hello i've been waiting for you and the guy goes what do you mean you've been waiting for me and the guy says i'm your bad luck you didn't think you could leave without me did you and so that is not a fairy tale it's a folk tale <laughs> it's it seems like a crocodile alligator situation for me still i i don't know if i'm incapable of learning and changing or if i am it's just, it's uh, a kind of folk tale but it, mm-hmm. it, it you know a fairy tale is more like the king had three daughters and one of his daughters yeah. was selfish and the, and the or two two were selfish and one was not and he asked each one what do you want me to bring you back from the war and the first uh-huh. two asked for selfish things and the last one asked for a non-selfish thing and then all this magical crap happened and at the end you learn why the non-selfish daughter was the right daughter but I, that seems like the same thing it, no because the law because of the but because in between the two, there's like a, the daughter gets locked in a mountain and she can't get out there unless someone br- burns her hair on the outside of the mountain. And then she hears this man playing a, a lute and the lute makes the mountain move. It's all this fantastical stuff that happens. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Well, thanks for the question, yeah. Jeremy. To answer your question, I think Batman would be my favorite folktale to adapt to a module. And uh, thanks for writing. Oh, a sticker is headed your uh, way as a way no, to say thanks. That's not true. For supporting How between two How would we even have his, his address? We'll find it. Well, we've we've got ways. Moving on. Uh, the next question is from La Esquina del Roll, the 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 rolling like ro- role playing co- the role playing corner. The role playing corner is what that means. Mm. Um, which is a uh, La Esquina del Roll is a uh, role playing translator. He translates. Okay. So anyways. Yeah. Uh, hi, Ohio and Brad. A few days ago, Diogo referring to Diogo Nogueira, uh, published an yep. image to identify what was done by human illustrators. Some friends of mine oh boy. tell me that they use the chat GPT software, like an Oracle for solo RPG. They add rules to the chat RPG and then they, or chat, he wrote, it's funny, he wrote chat RPG and not instead of chat GPT, but it works. Uh, and then they ask it to ask, then they ask questions to it, it answers and so on. Um, what arguments do you have about this new AI and the role wow. it's in quotes it will have in role-playing games? Will it change anything in the hobby? Now, this is sort of a two-parter. Um, he's kind of asking, well, he's he's really only asking about the chat GPT software. He's not really asking about the AI stuff. Uh, is, do you, would you like to respond to that? Wow. Part of that? Yeah, this is, this is a spicy it one. Is. Very it topical. Is. It is topical and relevant. Wait. We're going to get some replies on this one it's a spicy topic so ai art etc and you know ai tools you know i don't know basically i think like making art is like the one good thing that human beings do you know other you know aside from making art humans are basically like big viruses like stripping the world of natural resources and you know and dying that's like that's it but you know what we make some pretty things sometimes and god bless us for that that's basically my main take so i'm not super thrilled at the prospect of like running as fast as we can towards getting other things to do like the one good thing that we can do and yeah and there's going to be people like, where's the line where's the line you know and like i hear you but i just i don't uh something about like make having a computer make art for me uh is doesn't make me feel good i feel kind of bad and i'm not super thrilled about the the product i'm seeing either now, I know it's probably an inevitability. It's coming. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I thought um, the ZX, whatever, ZX uh, had a pretty good take. His, on Twitter, he was kind of like, we're not, we, everyone's asking, like, where's the line? They should be asking, like, who's, who's getting paid for this? Like, where, <laughs> where, who's holding, you know, who's holding the check? Because um, I think that's a good point, you know, like, AI art, this is not like, you know, to quote uh, Donald Fagan, uh, this is not like just machines to make big decisions, you know, programmed by fellows of compassion and vision. This is like the the march of capitalism here to <laughs> make art cheap and to cut out, ex, you know, expensive components and time consuming components of like making product. Uh, 
and it's just a bummer to me, you know, and it's fine. And like, you know, the Terminators will rise up and replace us and that's all fine and well and, and who cares. But it bums me out. And, you know, I don't know. That's that's where I'm at. But, you know, if you're having fun with it, whatever you're doing in the privacy of your own home, that's your own business. Go ahead, you know, goof off with, behind closed doors. Make your make your um, chat whatever um, bots, you know, look like whatever you want. Have have a great time, okay? Uh, that's fine. Uh, I'm not interested, but you know, but go for it, and you do you. And uh, I don't know. And and I uh, I withdraw from the microphone now. What do you think? Well, uh, there's a lot to parse there. So <laughs> it, it it is a you know there's there's a lot to say. For one thing, there's the ethical concerns of do these AI art generators like mid mid journey and Dolly uh, and uh-huh. stable diffusion, do, do they owe the original artists that they have been essentially, you know, leeching off of as they have fed their networks as their, um, Oh yeah. Their learning algorithms. Has, Absolutely. Do, do they hold on? I'm just, let me just state the question. <laughs> there's, there's the, on the one hand, do they owe those artists? And if so, how on the other, where is the line between, an individual like yourself, for example, if you uh-huh. were right now to, let's say, ape a Banksy display, let's say you did something very similar to Banksy. It was clearly inspired by Banksy. Um, uh-huh. At what point in the art world do they differentiate between a copy that is infringing on the original artist's work and then something that's simply inspired? I, I know that they have answers to that, but the question is, how do you how do you apply th- that logic and understanding to this? brave new world and yeah i, you and know, I think not... that's a i think that's a timely question there was that lawsuit a few years ago between who's that robin thick or whoever his that's song the blurred lines the actor. who's robin somebody are you sure it's somebody thick whatever the song blurred lines it sounded too much like marvin gaye's gotta give it up and now as a direct result of that lawsuit like all these songs have songwriting credits to the original song that this new song kind of sounds like <laughs> so like um, uh, it seems like kind of weird and not quite right somehow, but that's like, I guess, inherent in art. You're now, there's so much art and you're inspired by stuff, but in music, at least you've got to pay the person you're sampling or now the person that your song kind of sounds like. Right. So, so, so there was no, art right. any different than this. Well, well, so I, I, I haven't, you know, I, I very much understand why artists are freaked out about this because now just like everything else people will just do the cheapest thing oh this looks like frank franzetta i'll just have it generate that and stick it in my book who cares i would say that a lot of the bad ai art is so noticeable especially from mid-journey uh and you're seeing it more and more in like a lot of the like top rpgs on itch not not top but the newest ones there's just so much of it and it it does not look good However, I have seen stuff that does look good, and I know that it will get there. So the question is, when it does get there, uh, what are artists going to do? And I understand that that fear. On the other hand, I saw some really cool stills from a Hodorowsky, uh <laughs> version of Tron. That was really awesome. <laughs> I have to say, it's pretty cool. Um, when when Mid Journey first came out, like earlier uh-huh. this year, I played around with it a bit just to see. I, I'm not an artist, so it was kind of interesting to see things I've imagined just kind of show up. And then I, you know, whatever, I got bored of it and moved on and I'm never ever planning on using it. And basically anything I do, I love paying for art. There's, there's nothing more. Uh, I, I, I think paying an artist to make something that I have imagined is like one of the greatest gifts I've ever given myself. You know, I, I absolutely love it and I hope to keep doing that. And I, I think artists, human real artists will, probably have to both charge more and they'll still have a hard time surviving. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I understand. Well, it's kind of like what, uh, Miyazaki supposedly said, you know, when, when he was prompted to, uh, <laughs> what it, for his opinion on computer generated, yeah. uh, animation, he said, I think this is an insult to life itself. You know? <laughs> right. He's got such good <laughs> yeah. quotes that Miyazaki, um, so yeah. yeah, so I guess that's my opinion on the AI art stuff, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, chat GPT, which is what uh, La Esquina del Rol mentioned here. Sure, uh, yeah, so, yeah. So that's a the company that makes Dali, which is one of the other big AI art 
houses, they have something called um, ChatGPT. And uh-huh. what it is, um, it's a computer program that they fed a bunch of info into from the internet until late 2021. So it knows about a lot of stuff, but not really up-to-date stuff. Um, and it is v- very much like one of those virtual chat assistants that you never want to actually deal with online, but it's actually <laughs> yeah. quite impressive. I mean, uh-huh. it really is. It's not always impressive, but for instance, um, and I recommend anybody check this out if they get a chance, uh, MKHD, who's a really great um, YouTuber who does technology reviews, his name is Marcus Browning. He he did an entire video about it where uh, the first five minutes or so, he's explaining, you know, the potential problems with AI and what to look out for, et cetera. And then he reveals that his entire speech was generated from chat GPT. And uh-huh. it, that was kind of his whole, like, this is the level that it's out now. Like, it's pretty crazy. And he talks about the negatives, too. But he he explains why, like, this software, you can basically say, hey, write me an essay in the form that of, you know, uh, a gangster from the 1940s arguing for abolition, um, or not abolition, uh, uh, the end of prohibition, excuse me. And, and it would do that. It would, it can, it can create speech in very human like ways. And there's, um, a lot of things you can do with it, including what I did, which was I copy and pasted my entire RPG, uh, S- the SRD for my role-playing game into chat GPT. And then I had it roll me up characters and it did it. Like it understood yeah. that I had fed it information that it should read that information. It did some wonky stuff with the math, but it did, accurately create characters it was pretty crazy and That's so 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 you know you can use it to say hey tell me the name of a fictional town in the 15th century that has an adventuring party sleeping at a tavern and the name of the tavern and who's the tavern keep is it's really no different than like donjon.sh or any of these online generators uh-huh. it's just much 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 better than sure. those. and so um i can see why people would want to use it for solo RPGing. I can also see why people will be terrified of it if you're like a high school English teacher, for example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it's like I work in technology, sure, automation, I it, it's great. It's a time saver. Wonderful. Yeah. If it's if you're doing something repetitive, have a computer do it for you. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm just like it's fine where it is. I probably don't want to use it for anything. But, you know, I feel like I'm kind of like um I vaguely uh crusty tendencies here um but you know good good for you guys have fun <laughs> i don't know well it's an interesting topic and uh you know i understand i think there are very real and significant challenges ahead especially with respect to creators and uh i i can see why people would be worried i think that's justifiable moving on for our main review, we are talking about the beasts of Borgenwold. Is that how you say that, by the way? Yeah, is it Borgen- uh, that's how I say Borgen- it. It's not Borgen. How, well, no, Borgenwold. I don't know. Borgenwold. I don't know. Well, There's, I know th- that's fine. Yeah. Well, I wonder if Wold is like Wald. Wald is forest, or Wald. Wald is forest. Uh-huh. I wonder what. Well, it doesn't matter. Anyhow, the beasts of Borgenwold is a fifty uh, odd page zine by Harry Minier, or Miniar. I don't know how he says his name. Harry. Yeah. Here. And uh, I have the printed booklet of it and you have the PDF. Is that right? That's right. Uh, why don't you give us a little summary of this adventure, Brad? All right. So this is a um, we have a little small region presented in kind of hex map style. Uh, the main story here is that there is this terrible beast plaguing the countryside. It is a um, a manticore, but the thing about it is it's a taxidermied undead manticore. So it's like leaking sawdust everywhere. It's eating people, but it, you know, it's not really equipped for digestion anymore because all of its organs are gone. So it's just kind of like mashing them up and <laughs> they kind of flop out of its like stuffed body. And it's kind of terrorizing this countryside that people don't really know where it came from, but there's some, um, you know, villager secrets as to its origin. Um, so, yeah, the main thing here is um, I, I would call this another classic town with problems module. Uh, Borgenwald is the town. The problem is the beast. Um, and you're, you're, the players are here to, to solve that. 
What do you think? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good summary. That uh, there's a lot of le- yeah. leaking fluids in this <laughs> in this adventure. There is. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about what you said about it's not really able to eat anymore. Um, that's definitely true. Yeah, and there's of course like this larger thing going on. Not really a mystery, but there's some weird stuff going on that the players can uh, come across. It's also um, the version I have came with an extra adventure at the end called the rights of weeping is that yeah i think that's what it's called Mm -hmm. um and it's unrelated but mine came with that so i just wanted to point that out Uh, i bought mine yes directly from the author i'm pretty sure this is like a kickstarter version which is why it has that at the end it has full color or not full color but black and white uh maps but the the zine itself is actually full color it's full of color lots yes. of colors lots of red lots of color lots of design yeah, lots There's of just, design um, that's a good way of putting it there's a yeah. let's talk about the design for a minute let's talk about let's talk about the physical formatting so first off let's just sure let's just give some credits here um harry minier did the writing layout formatting and even some of the maps art um or he generated the map i suppose the uh inside the cover art is by Christoph Marsh Marshall Marshall something like that and the inside cover map is really nice really really nice and it's by the same uh, Christoph person there are a bunch of other artists uh, and some public domain used throughout there's like Carlos Castillo who um he does he has a lot of his stuff used in um, OSR stuff. He puts a, a lot of stuff on drive through. You can just kind of buy and use. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually, I actually have used the picture of the horn I have used as a token in, <laughs> in uh, my Cairn VTT set. Um, and it's got Yuri Perkowski and, um, yeah. uh, Maches Zagorski. That's my best bet. Uh, public domain art, etc. It is a very nice print. I yes. really, really like the physical format of this. I think it's, um, nicer than a lot of the like Mixam stuff that I've seen. I I don't believe that this is Mixam. I can't be sure, but it's it's very uh-huh. nice. Whatever he did, it, it reminds me of like magazine quality almost. And um, nice, yeah, I I really like it. I think it's a good. How's the paper? Is the, yeah, the is the weight good on the paper? Yeah, it is. It's it it kind of reminds me of um the kind of like thick white paper that is like mm. made of a mash of paper like you can see particles okay. in it but it's it, it's smooth. i don't know what that's called it there's like a japanese would you call the paper, paper a thick boy I, would you say that about the paper i would never say that about anybody you um, wouldn't say it's thick boy I paper. Don't, okay don't, don't like that phrase so um yeah very nice physical product just wanted to put that out there i had some yeah. issues reading the title fonts um and that <laughs> yeah that could be me but it pretty much every major ch- Pay, every page every page has the same font do, do you know what it is something gothica maybe or i don't know no it's a very like heavy like kind of old world script yeah. kind of and depending font. It's, on it's not easy on the right eyes. <laughs> and also like depending on what's in the background it can be hard for me to read. I, I get it it's thematic but man there were some pages yeah. where I, I could not read what it said like the description of yes. some stuff i just was like i don't i don't know and it, it really strained me so um, and a lot of times there's like a drop shadow on it right, too. It just, right. It's there's a lot of um, uh, challenges on the, the heading. Yeah, the the body text is just I think a courier font, so it's a lot easier. But I just for some reason I don't love the way that looks with the with the the heading typefaces. I feel like there's some some clashing here. For, I'm not like a design guy, but. Um, I, I think we got like serifs overload here. I don't know. Now, I don't know. What do you in, feel? In, well, in, in a, on a positive spin, there's an there's yeah. an index, and the PDF is uh, very. <laughs> yeah. The index is very good, and its PDF is yes. very clear. Like you can click and get to the page. I really appreciated that. So just to be clear, mm-hmm. indexes are really helpful, and I had to use it multiple yeah. times because a lot of us like indexes. I was trying to find where mm-hmm. certain things were answered, and the index really mm-hmm. helped. So. Just putting that out there. Um, oh, it's certainly a way to present information. Now, say what you will. I, yeah, I will. So another thing is, it kind of has this, you know, old school zine, like magazine cutout feel. You know what I'm talking about? Where like, yes, it looks like definitely. it looks like he took words from other magazines and pay, cut and pasted them into here, which obviously he didn't do, but it looks that way. And I think it mostly works. Sometimes it it comes off as a bit um, oddly juxtaposed to. Yeah. some of the other layout which is very good honestly yeah there's there's a lot of design like like you said there's some kind of text kind of cutouts and sometimes it's at kind of off angles 
it does kind of have that magazine cutout kind of quality to it. There's also like a motif of these like kind of psychedelic swirls that you see in a lot of places. Um, and there's like a cream red and black color scheme throughout. It's very like, um, I, I like a lot of it. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's a little busy for my taste. Um, it's kind of hard that, to just track information. Uh, I would absolutely page. call this busy, not information dense, yeah. just busy. Yeah, definitely. There was also, um, there's a lot of tables. Like there's, there's a lot of tables and, oh, yes. and that's great. Yes. It's really great. The tables are really good and fun. Sometimes I feel like it maybe relies on them a little too much. Like mm-hmm. you're kind of dynamically creating individual like NPCs and it's going to be different every time. But I feel like there's something lost to that <laughs> yeah. sometimes. It, it's also a preference thing. That's not like real. This is not like a criticism. It's just, I, I kind yeah. of would have liked to see more um, starkly drawn characters. Like for example, the uh-huh. there's like this kind of big bad. I'm not talking about the, um, the real big bad in the, in the story. I'm talking about someone right. who everyone is scared of and you kind of have to roll them up. Um, is that, Wait, is that the merchant it, 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 or the it's broker? broker? It's the broker. Yeah. Yeah. So the the, the, I, I thought, the yeah. broker, like, there are many reasons the broker is scary. They give you a whole bunch of ways to build a broker, but you're not. There's not a. a it's not a named character. You know, it's the broker, mm. and you're kind of building them up, and it's that's true for like a you know the hunters and townspeople. Wait, I thought the the broker's named O O uh, Obo Obojole or something like that. The broker that does sound familiar to me, but hold on. I'm, lo- I'm, gonna, Page 18. I'm looking now, but I know what you mean. There is, um, no, this particular one. Yeah, but it doesn't. Okay. The, the, sorry. The broker is named, but then there's this section uh-huh. called, um, uh, o- Obojolet, the broker, which is impossible to read. And <laughs> yeah. it has like, it's a little, the page itself is pretty confusing to me because it refers to brokers as a kind of generic, uh, character i think i know what you're confusing right you, you thought i was saying that the broker is bait f- is built from tables that that's not true that um the hunters are built from tables but the broker yes the broker is not built from tables but the broker is dealt with it, there's um they're spoken of in sort of the third person uh without a yeah. name like trade buy and sell anything and everything property curiosities curses art f- futures yada 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 a broker will know, you know, if, if it has value, a broker will know it. Do not lie to a broker. Yes. They will know. I, maybe that was just confusion on my end, but it seemed like the broker was not an individual person, but a part of a bigger group of people. Maybe, maybe I just misunderstood that. No, I know what you mean. I think there's a quality to this work where um, I generally think the writing is very strong, but I think we get, <laughs> we get almost too much information in some places. Like you said, the hunters. So there's all these hunters that have come to town to hunt this beast. And the text doesn't spend a ton of time giving you kind of hooks to interact with them. Like they're around, right? But it's not like you have to get a hunter for this or like a hunter approaches you for that. You know, it's it's pretty like work uh, like toolbox. Like here you go. Here you want to build a hunter. Here you go. And there's like four at least pages for generating your hunters. And it's just a lot. Like the stuff in the tables is actually really good. It's really interesting. Um, like let me pull it up here um where are my hunters yeah so it's like you start with a d6 this one like walks in a cartoonish imitation of an animal's gait says it helps them become one with the quarry or um you know wears exotic pelts tiger leopard mink and an air of sneering condescension they've forgotten to remove one of the tailor's tags from the back of their coat like we get a lot of yeah really i rich like character i like details. that detail it was like it's so you know that tells you a lot uh yeah and then we get three more pages to develop these hunters yeah <laughs> these hunters yeah. but it's like that's a lot of time to spend on these characters which don't really have a huge <laughs> like bearing on the adventure, right and i, I don't you know? think that that's a problem in and of itself it's just creating a, a, a no. world there are by the way adventure hooks and they're, they're good adventure hooks so it, it's not they that are. there aren't yes. adventure hooks but um i think so okay let me just jump right to it i i think this is a very yeah. good module but i do uh-huh. think there's something missing and i can't put my finger on it there's some stuff i want to say in the deep dive more about you know the goblins and stuff but i i, sure. I feel like I don't know what it is. I, I have a hard time putting my finger on what makes this unique. Like what? Yeah. Cause it's a good adventure. It has good writing, good art, good layout. It has, um, I think the dungeon is probably the 
weakest part, actually, if I could I if agree. I could make yeah. a, a real critique is um I feel like maybe it took a really long time to get to the dungeon. And then when you're finally there and you're reading it, you're like, oh, this is just like a small thing. And, and that's fine. Maybe if it had yeah. more um wilderness exploration maybe the the map just didn't really feel fleshed out even though it looked really nice you know it's got five or six places on it but you're really only going to go to two of them and maybe three but i yeah i i I don't want to be unfair because i it could be just Mm -hmm. eh, some things just aren't for me i really like it and i I honestly could see myself running it and enjoying it but for some reason it just doesn't move my heart the way that you know (laughs) lauren did or um sure even, even black apple brew like what what makes yes. this different than black apple brew in your opinion right so yeah i agree with you i think this is like firmly good as as far as modules go i think um harry Manier is a good writer there's a lot of very like rich prose here i think it kind of teeters on being like purple at times there's like very very um like descriptive and i personally i i like that i uh there's a lot i think to like about the writing here but I agree. There's, I don't know. What kind of struck me is it's like a yeah, certain, like a lack of interactivity with some of the elements, or maybe just not enough, like moving parts. Like when it comes down to it, there's kind of the town, and then the dungeon, and then kind of the goblins. But the goblins are kind of an aside. They don't really have a huge, like they they don't really matter. Like if you don't interact with them, nothing changes. You know. And I I, just, I feel like I wish there was more driving action with some of the other components. I, I feel like the player. Um, agency here is like there's a lot to interact with in the town but there's not a whole lot of ways to like screw things up (laughs) it's like you talk to the town or you go to the dungeon or you can go talk to the goblins but they kind of don't really matter yeah the goblins are are i wish we had a few more pieces i just wish there is like you know another faction the goblins yeah another faction or like another thing to explore or like a ticking clock somewhere like this 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 um, ill thing is going to befall Borgenwald unless you know players take some action and maybe they have a, a hard decision to make so, to, yeah, to figure well, out what to prioritize. I, and that's I don't really see I, that. Okay, another thing that came up for me is I actually my favorite part of this module is what's going on with the goblins. I think it's hilarious and fun and great. I, I love the goblins. goblins yeah, they're great. really interesting. They're, I feel like you could mash those goblins up with the ones from Elder Oak, you know, <laughs> just mm-hmm. you'd have a good time. Yes. Uh, the main problem I have is that of the monsters, they're essentially all the same thing over and over again. Like they're they're mm-hmm. undead and the taxidermied. Animals. They're all taxidermied undead animals. And it's yeah. interesting. And it's not that the animals yeah. aren't different from each other. It just feels like the same thing kind of yeah. repeated. And I, I, I don't have a... I mean, I guess it makes sense. I just kind of got bored. And I, and I also had a hard time. Yeah. Did you have a hard time um, orienting yourself in the dungeon and w- the differences between the rooms and what they served? Because for me, it was just like, here's another room full of some undead creature that's actually yeah. still going to hurt you. Or, you know, it's like. Right. I, I felt like it was a lot of yeah. repeat repetition. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't want to sound overly. Um, critical or nitpicky because i do again i do think this is like a firmly good module but yeah the the dungeon felt a little um wasn't enough variety it was kind of like different versions of a room there's a taxidermy creature in here like this is the troll room and it's kind of staged like a little diorama this is the you know the bird room there's tons of birds um but yeah it's like kind of all always kind of the same script like they could come alive and cause mischief (laughs) and maybe they don't but aside from that, there wasn't a lot of things to kind of um, goof with. <laughs> like, like there wasn't enough things to play with or get hurt by or talk to or, you know, turn cranks on. Well, you know what I mean? I just kind of wanted a little bit more variety in the dungeon uh, exploration there. So I feel like we should just do deep dives because there's a couple things I want to say and I feel like. Do yeah, it. Okay. So deep dive. Right. Within the dungeon itself within the whole the whole tomb i felt like it was unclear to me what it is you do there like you your goal Mm -hmm. is to destroy this you you don't know this but to stop the hunt you have to destroy the silver uh what's it horn silver horn yeah and And, like and let's back up a step you know for people who don't know the, the plot here there's like a famous hunter who was died and buried in this tomb. She has a hunting horn. 
And even though she's dead, she still gets up every day and blows the horn, which makes her taxidermied animals that she killed in life come to life. And then she hunts them. Um, but some thieves have broken into this tomb and let out the the beast, the manticore. And so you basically to stop the beast, there's a few ways to do it. But the big one is to find this horn and destroy it. Right. Um, which you don't actually. That, that's what leads you to. It's the not really obvious that that's the case. I don't think most people yes. would do that, but that's fine. No, but it, I, it seemed to me like connecting that to the beast didn't mm-hmm. really seem obvious to me, nor did it seem yeah. like if you talk to this old woman, you'd figure it out. Or if you talk to the nephew, you'd figure it out or uh-huh. grandson, grandson, whatever he is. Um, yeah. So I felt like it wasn't clear what the players would do with this information, like, or what they, how they would, how they would end up here. Like what would send them right. to this tomb? Honestly, it would make more sense to me to just have the tomb be by itself and have nothing to do with the beast. And uh-huh. just have like a, oh, this tomb is a place where this huntress wakes up every night and you could mess with it or you could not, but there's something good in there. Oh, and then there's this God yeah. creature thing that the goblins are eating. Like, I feel like <laughs> yeah. I actually think this could have benefited from being less related and just more of a sandboxy. Mm. We're having fun sure. going around, you know, looting places, which is you know, odd for me to say, I know, but I feel like it was less obvious <laughs> to me. Um, something else I thought of that I forgot to mention earlier yeah. So there's a lot of spot art that is from a you know one of two I think major uh, artists in the module, and both yes. of them have really big initials. Um, like like, <laughs> yeah. like in, in the for Carlos Castillo, it's like this these two C's basically, um, and then uh-huh. for I think it's for um, actually I don't know. Uh, Perka- I, I maybe maybe I I can't. Uh-huh. Uh, there, there was another one. Yeah, it is your yeah, and that's a big Y looking thing, and yeah. you really do notice it because it appears many, many times. Um, that's interesting. I didn't notice it until you. Just I said noticed that it just continually, and it, it, it kind of <laughs> just got on me. I just kept thinking, ugh. like, look, if you look at page fifty four, for instance, you really see it. Sure, there. yeah. Um, I want to say, you know, I think the art is one of the stronger it's parts good. of this it's good. module. I agree. I like I like all the artists very much. I think, in particular, Yuri Perkowski underrated artist i love the art by yuri perkowski there's a lot of this in warlock i think that's one of the reasons i keep buying warlock books i don't i don't know why what keeps bringing me back but i think it's this yeah you this illustrator i love it yeah you were talking about that uh the other day about how you can't stop buying (laughs) warlock books yeah um yeah i know i'm like one more i'm like "Eh, i don't know Uh, well so okay but you like the art i like the art i think original art i would have liked that slightly more just because i've seen a lot of the carlos mm. de stuff before um okay. i have seen it a lot but uh yeah regardless i felt that the dungeon itself was perhaps the weakest part uh, and mm-hmm. of the adventure and i would have loved to have seen one more location maybe more goblin yeah. stuff um uh, the, the sure. beast could be related but like and you know maybe Go, go somewhere else to find it and there's something interesting about that location so I, that's a very small nits i think it's a very good module um yeah. yeah i think this is ripe for adding stuff onto this i think you could as it is i think it'd be a lot of fun to play for sure i think if i was running this a few things i would change is it make so the, the goblins their thing is they found this pond in the dungeon that has these god fish it's like the children of a river god and then they found out if you eat the fish that you get these godlike abilities and they're temporary unless you eat just a ton of them. And one of the goblins is like the one true goblin. And it's just like God goblin freak, which I think is pretty interesting. But I didn't really get a sense that these guys were interested in interacting with anything. They're kind of just out in the in the corner of the map being weird gods. Like, right. I, I felt like I needed more driving action from these guys. So I, I for one thing, I would maybe make them more meddling in the affairs of the town like maybe they're starting to take it over <laughs> yeah um, they are or, pretty much uh, left on their own devices just eating godfish so yeah i think it'd be pretty cool to get these weird like godlike goblins coming into town and like tweaking reality and you don't really know like what's related like is the beast part of this or is it something else um here's one more like, idea i'm gonna throw at you too yeah go okay. on what were you gonna say well no i was just gonna say i like all the the caravans that you can find abandoned like caravans and they've that's good stuff. Of stuff. Yeah. yeah I, really I like enjoyed that. Too. Um, Here's sorry, one more tweak ahead. I would make too. Ready? Here's one more. I would, I would make it so that this hunter also hunted 
people and there's some taxidermy people in her dungeon as well and they're now loose and doing weird stuff because i i think we need one more level of like weird freakiness i think having like weird <laughs> taxidermied freaks in town would be or even just still in the dungeon to talk to i think would be like a weird way to take this to another level of interactivity um i don't know but those are two things that struck me like ooh, i could i could do something cool with that yeah, I, I agree. I think that would be incre- incredibly creepy and gross and <laughs> totally up your alley. So, yeah, overall, I, I'm excited to see what uh, Harry Minier, Minier, uh, Harry Minier said. Yeah, does sorry, next. Harry, um, for saying your name. Wrong, I know. I know. I, it's, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's very good. I, I think I appreciate it more after this conversation, which uh-huh. is good. I actually think this is one that I would really appreciate after running. Yeah, I, think I would really like because there's a, there's just a lot of good content there's a lot of good tables and uh i think i think it's well drawn i mm-hmm. just think it's lacking something i'm not quite sure what it is and that's really unhelpful sorry one thing i one thing i will say i didn't like so some of the some of the uh character art which is uh-huh. um I, I mean i think it's some of some of it's actually original but the of the um the the guy who causes trouble in the first place the grandson um yes. he, he, on the printed page he, his face is right in the middle of the spread yeah. and it's a little unaligned oh. so it actually <laughs> kind of ruins the effect cuz it's unaligned and it's in the middle so you yeah. really can't see his face very well and that, he, that happens more than once it looks fine digitally but that yeah. is one thing that i noticed um that that's I, interesting cuz my pdf is not you don't get a spread layout it's just pages oh, so i don't you, I, that, you're you can so I adjust enable, my my view you, settings. Yeah, you just turn on dual or you know odd numbered oh. view, and it, we'll talk about it, this in the after yeah, show okay. tech support corner. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Today, Brad learns how to use <laughs> Adobe Reader. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyhow, so yeah, good talk. Good talk. Uh, yeah, keep, I think it's you know it's a good one. I think keep this writer on your radar. This uh, there's some strong stuff here. And I'm, I'm, I'm again, another one I'm interested to see what comes next from, from this author. Right. And again, that's uh, Harry Manier, the Beast yeah. of Borgenwald. Uh, this has been Between Two Cairns. Uh, please send us your emails. Between Two Cairns at gmail.com is the place to send them. Ask us questions. Do not expect a sticker. Do not listen to Brad. Thank you, Bobby McKelver, for the music and DLB for editing. And I'm going to finish this up before Brad can say anything stupid. We love you. Nope. <laughs> Hugs and kisses. <laughs> Okay, the end.